my lips will praise this God who hears the cry of the poor. And it's uh, my privilege along with Pastor Sam this morning at this point in the service to, to present that God before you and declare to you his mighty works. Last week we began a 10-week journey of faith uh, in, in our church, learning to uh, truly believe God and not just believe in Him and affirm a few accurate creedal statements about Him. And we did it by looking back at some critical events in our church's history. And we specifically looked at one uh, about a year ago in a leadership retreat where God moved powerfully inspiring us as a leadership and as a congregation to step ahead and move ahead in faith for the full implementation of our vision, Imagine Campaign. Today I want to continue that process of looking back at three more critical events in our church's history for exactly the same purpose, to move ahead with wisdom and direction and motivation in this journey of faith as we keep unleashing our potential and leaving a legacy. I want to begin by asking you a question here. How many of you were here in this church when the very first sanctuary was built? Okay, that's two or three of you, that's two or three more than last time, last night, Sunday night, Saturday night, there was nobody there. Now, it, it was built sometime around, 60, at least it was dedicated in 1963. But I want to tell you a little story that some of you may not be familiar with, especially those of you who are relative newcomers. I may have got some of the details wrong, but none of the scale, I think, is wrong. Pastor Ingram was the founding pastor of this church. They began meeting at the Elms Public School, and about a year into that, they had somewhere between 55, 70, 80 people, I think it was, when he began to cast a vision in the congregation for building a permanent uh, sanctuary uh, in this place. Now, by the way, most of you know it today as a storage space and a gym for a little while. And I think they needed about $125,000 loan from the bank for that. And so Ross went over to the Royal Bank with the application form all duly filled up. Now, when the manager found out there were about 55 or 60 people in this congregation, he said, well, this loan won't be approved. And Ross, amongst other things, said to this bank manager, there's something wrong with your application form. Now, any bank manager is likely to get taken aback with a statement like that. He said, what's wrong? He said, there's no room for faith in your application form. Please send it on because we have faith. Now, whether out of sheer shock or amusement, I don't know. But the man decided to send on the application form. And you know the rest is history. That loan was approved and that initial building was built. And I want to tell you something. I'm glad for it. Because me, my wife, my children, their spouses and four grandchildren have been incredibly blessed by the things that have happened in that building and in all the other buildings since that time. Listen. A building in faith to fulfill a mission is in the DNA of this church. And let's not forget that. Now, it's quite possible to build buildings for totally wrong reasons. There's a story in the Bible of a man who did that. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 21. And he, Jesus, told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Now the problem with this man wasn't that he built bigger barns to store grain. 
In fact, there's a story in the Bible about a man who did exactly that, Joseph. And he was commended as a very wise man. Joseph did that in Egypt, built huge barns to store all kinds of grain. But he did it in order to be able to give it away to people who would be struck by famine years later. The problem with this man was that the building and what was in it became the object of his faith. He began to trust in the building for security for the future and for self-indulgent behavior in the present. That was the problem. And it is possible for churches to enter into imagined campaigns and building programs for all the wrong reasons. No, we don't build in order to store barley and wheat. I know that. At least not in this part of the world. But it's quite possible to build buildings to feed other appetites. The human ego being right in the top of them. It is possible to build buildings for the glory of man. To put our trust in them. Or to feed appetites for significance and importance. I will never forget one time, many, many years ago, preaching at a conference in the West. I just finished preaching through Psalm 51. And an older gentleman came in. He was from the States. And he had had a, what we would call a successful pastorate and built, led his church in a very large building program. And he came to me with tears in his eyes and he said, I built that building over a trail of broken relationships. So it's possible to build buildings for the totally wrong reasons. But that wasn't the way this church got started. Ross Ingram built that and led us to build that church. Trusting in God's ability to provide and in order to fulfill a mission of this church to take the gospel into these surrounding areas. And because it was in our DNA, it is not surprising that it kept popping up. Let me wind the clock forward. That happened sometime in 62. Let me wind the clock forward to about 16 years. 1978, 1979. Some of you will remember the phenomena of the Vietnamese boat people around that time, attempting to get out of a difficult situation there and landing up on our shores. I still remember sitting at a prayer meeting right over in that area. Bill Newell from World Vision spoke to us. Some of you might remember that. And there was a property right on the other side of the parsonage where we lived that had become available at that time. It had a building on it that wasn't in very good repair but serviceable nonetheless. And I think that property was available for about 50000 And just the previous year, someone had died in our congregation and left a legacy of about $30,000 to be used for mission purposes. And so we used that to buy that land to start resettling refugees. To, to minister to these kind of people that we just sung about. And the first family that we resettled was a Vietnamese family of seven. And through the involvement of one of our elders, Harvey Crouch, who basically became their pastor, they got nurtured and, and uh, integrated into this society. And I think two of them, the older couple, became Christians. And the other five children, who would have been consigned to a miserable fate in Vietnam, are productive citizens all over this country when we last heard. And then that was followed by the resettling of a Cambodian family. And that, that family happened to be believers. And they got integrated into the life of our church. One of their sons and, and Vijay spent hours, uh, whatever that boarding was they used to do in the back in the parkway, in the back parking lot, I remember that. And Vantha and his wife Chia Kun eventually then became part of that Cambodian church that was here. And when Sok and Savi M have left, they have continued to give leadership to them. And then we, it was time to take another step of faith. That building began to become unserviceable. And so we decided to tear the building down and build another building on that faith. And, we, and I remember Joe Shuringa nicknamed it Faith Manor. We shouldn't be surprised. It's in the DNA of this church. And that building is completely paid for because of your faithfulness over the few subsequent years. And then a third refugee family was welcomed here. Roshan Askani and his family of seven. 
Roshan and his wife and family knew persecution in Iran and then they knew persecution in New Delhi, India. And they were able to come here and have blessed relief from that. And I still remember Roshan joining us at our 5 o'clock prayer meeting. You know, it's one thing to pray for persecuted churches out there. It's another thing to have a family like that in your midst teaching us what it's like. And he was the one who taught us. He says, this is a gift from God to you. And then God led him to start a Baluchi radio program. Which has, which has been given elder oversight by Chris Perumala, first one of our elders, and now Jack Shamavonian is doing that. And we have given financial resources as well. All of that happened as we have continued to build in faith. And so it's not surprising. Now move to the third uh, critical event in our church's history. 1962, 1979, and now 2001, which was our 40th anniversary. That's when the, our orange turned to blue in this church. And on our 40th wedding, uh, 40th anniversary, we had three people, three pastors come and speak to us too. Ross Ingram came back and Bud Downey came back. Uh, I shared a little bit and we had Kevin Olford. Kevin was born in this church, in that old church and uh, grew up to be an elder in this church. And Kevin couldn't be here and we'd asked him to uh, prepare a benediction. Do you know all three of them chose exactly the same passage? Isaiah 61. Without talking to each other. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And it's interesting that God used that same building a few years later, 2004 to be precise, through the passion and the burden that God had given to Don Dealer, one of our congregants, for the poor right in this community. And as we looked at three different people sharing the same thing, and by the way, last night somebody came to me and said, do you know that that was the text from which Ross preached his first sermon in Rexdale? Talk about something being in the DNA of this church. So it's not surprising that he's moving us in this direction. And then Don, as he began that ministry that was then known as NeighborLink and now Neighborhood Connections, that same building office, uh, provided office space for them and others who were working in the initial stages. But even that was only the beginning. 2004, we had no idea where we would be today. And earlier on this year, part of your imagined contributions, $20,000 was invested in addition to continue to bolster and sustain the Ministry of Neighborhood Connections as it went through a transition period. We had no idea what God had in store. He was just waiting for us to step out before he would show us. And I want to have Pastor Sam come and continue this sermon as, you, as he shares with you the great and awesome things that God had done in fulfillment of this mandate. Sam? You know, as I've been reflecting back on all that God has been doing in our church, in our community, I felt somewhat like how David felt when he wrote Psalm 145, when he said, They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your wonderful works, and I will proclaim your mighty deeds. And I guess a little bit like Moses in Exodus 3, 
when you know, the glory of the Lord came upon this bush and uh, it burned and what was not consumed. And the Lord said, Moses, take off your sandals because this place you are at is holy ground. There was a, a great sense of awe and joy that overwhelmed me at that point. And as I began to put my thoughts together, there was an evident convergence, a coming together of these callings that Pastor Sunday had been talking about in our church's history. The first being our call to minister to uh, our community, those who are in need. And we've been painfully aware of the needs of our community, you know, the broken homes that's out there, uh, people who are out of jobs, people who are on the verge of homelessness, uh, kids who are uh, getting into violent activity and into gangs. And as you've heard, this call was confirmed, you know, at that 40th year uh, celebration four years ago. The other call was this call to, for us to uh, unleash our outreach potential and to leave a lasting legacy here through the Imagine campaign. Last weekend, Pastor Sanders spoke of how the leadership, you know, grappled and then came to the decision in faith that they were going to go ahead uh, with the Imagine campaign, even though we lagged on our target goal. And he described how Pastor Allen pointed us to uh, Luke chapter 5 about Jesus calling the disciples to go to deeper water. And then how the boat was filled to overflowing with fish because we had obeyed. They had obeyed the call. And, you know, this convergence didn't really come out of any strategic planning that we had. It was just our response to the divine initiative of God when he said, call upon me and I will tell you great and unsearchable things which you do not know. So this morning, I just want to tell you about some of this great and unsearchable things that God has been doing over this past little while. As we've launched the deep water and obeyed this call. And I want to tell you stories of boats and fish, about uh, deep water and a fisherman that God has raised up. I want to tell you how our obedience to God's call is not only meeting the needs of our community, but it's fulfilling this greater mission that we have as a church to go and make disciples of, all, of many peoples who will follow Jesus Christ in authentic worship. That's our mission. You know, for me, uh, the deep water was really stepping out in faith to go and minister to some of the needs in our community. And, you know, ever since I've been a Christ follower, uh, I've been involved in many different uh, ministries that involve ministries to uh, the poor, those who are in need. And so I knew that this was far from being an easy ministry to be involved in. Uh, I really wasn't an example of someone who was bursting in faith, <laughs> with faith, to go out and launch uh, this ministry. So the deep water for me was a place of danger and fear because not only did I know it was difficult, but that I really didn't know where to start. At least I knew that when that happens, you pray. And you pray. And so uh, we ask God, God, give us direction. Lead us. And, you know, I prayer walk this community. Other people join me in prayer. And by God's grace, uh, he led us to a partnership with World Vision. And the ministry of NeighborLink was launched in January 2004. And I praise God for raising up Don Dearlove to spearhead this ministry and to launch many of the ministries that are now under neighborhood connections. And in a sense, God was building the boat for us to launch out. And today, uh, we have a thriving ministry to our community as part of this fulfillment in Isaiah 61. And you might say that ever since then, we've been in deep water. You know, earlier this year, uh, God invited us to even deeper water. 
Over the years, you know, we've had the sense of this need to minister to a smaller part of this community called Kendridge. It's about a, a kilometer uh, southeast of here. And it's about a 10-minute walk. I walked it several times. And, um, and it's called Kendridge. It's a population of about 2,500 people, primarily of uh, uh, people with single-parent families. And it represents a microcosm of the needs of our community. So we applied uh, for a grant. Uh, to World Vision under their uh, Partners in uh, Child Poverty campaign. And it was a very long and stringent uh, application process. In fact, they actually hired a consultant to actually walk along with us. And part of what we heard when we had the focus groups down in Cambridge was the need for children's ministries down there. And also uh, the need to be able to bridge this isolation that that community was feeling to the rest of Rexdale. And so I'm happy to uh, report and to praise God that um, we've just been approved for uh, a grant of $114,000 over the next three years. We're just so excited about what God is doing. And uh, God has multiplied your investment of $20,000 many times over. And I want to specifically thank Gail Jones, who have put in lots of energy and effort and expertise to uh, writing up this grant application. She set up the... Um, the focus groups and the interviews that were required. And, you know, she used her vacation days to go to many meetings with World Vision. God has gifted her in such a way that, you know, this came very easily for her and she could do it in her sleep. Uh, for me, if I had to do it, it would put me to sleep. So I was glad she did it. And I don't want to go over the story very quickly, lest we forget that, you know, we go over uh, what God has actually done to get us to this, to get us this far. God brought Gail Jones here uh, through an invitation of a friend as a seeker. She came to Alpha, and um, after that, she came to know Christ through the help of Pastor Nancy. Uh, she was discipled. She became a leader at Alpha, and now she's helping us, as, uh, leading this ministry of Neighborhood Connections with, uh, along with me and a leadership team. God has also given her great favor with her boss at Carrie's place, that given her freedom to work many different hours here. And, you know, a number of her co-workers have actually come and volunteered with a number of our events. You know, all this, all this has happened in the past two and a half years. That's amazing. God is continuing to confirm this work in Tandridge through many different ways. Just this past uh, July, we had our uh, Canada outreach there, and we had you know barbecue, and you know some of you uh, had joined us to help. Uh, we had the three-on-three basketball, we had games, bouncy castle, all those kind of fun things, and there was a tremendous response from that community. We had about uh, over 200 people come and join us. But before, even though even before uh, before that time, and we were just setting up for the event, we had a meeting with the tenant reps at uh, uh, apartment buildings there, as well as the townhouses that were there, and also a representative from the Toronto Housing Authority who manages uh, the properties there. And he said, you know, we want you, we want you to come to this community. It doesn't matter to me if you preach about God, we just want you to come, and we'll support you. God is already going ahead of us. And this past August, we held a week-long Good News Club there in partnership with CEF. And, uh, you know, were, I was told that uh, it was attended by about 12 to 15 kids, and, you know, that first uh, day, uh, a young man had come, and he was so disruptive that they actually had to move the program indoors. 
He was disrupting all the different activities. And so the leaders prayed. They prayed that God was going to touch this young man. And you know, the next day, he came. And he was different. And by the end of that night, he had given his life to Christ. In fact, he was so excited, he brought a friend the next day. And that friend also came to know Christ. This is what God's doing. And when this young man was followed up by one of the leaders in his home, he said, and you know, this leader had come all the way from Scarborough. And this young man said, you came all the way from Scarborough to visit me? He was just amazed that somebody would love him so much. So please pray. Please pray for Alfonso and LJ. Uh, as we continue to follow them up, and we've been inviting them to uh, JAM, our uh, Friday night youth group, and the parents have already said yes. You just need to get the schedules in place. So pray for that. No, if I just stop there, that would be amazing enough. But it gets even better. You know, because of the grant, uh, it was specific to work with children and their families. I contacted Melody Bissell. Some of you might know her. She's the director of CEF uh, Ontario, a Child Evangelism Fellowship. Uh, we had known her for a long time. Uh, in fact, we were neighbors uh, back when we were living here in Toronto. And then uh, they came to follow us and worshipped here for a little while. And when I told her about the work that we were uh, thinking of doing in Tandridge, she said, Sam, you won't believe this, but I've worked at Tandridge for many years with CEF. And although we had stopped, I've still been praying for that community. I've st- I, you know, I'm, I'm just gripped for a burden for that community. You know, and again, this is the God thing. It's just another convergence of what God's doing. One of the people who visited that young man I talked about earlier uh, was part of that Good News Club his name was Rupin. Uh, he is from uh, Lebanon. That's, uh, Rupin is from Lebanon with his wife, Lena. He's a teacher. They, they both have a, a passion uh, for reaching children. And, and uh, he's a pastor at the Lebanese church here in Toronto. He's so passionate about reaching children that he started an outreach uh, in his basement, uh, like an arts club, on his, in his spare time. And you know, Rupin's passion for children didn't abate, uh, even though he was busy. And so he applied uh, to become staff with uh, CEF Ontario. And uh, he was already staffed back in CEF, uh, back in Lebanon with CEF. And all this while he was pastoring his church. So when I asked Melody if she knew of someone who could actually help us uh, you know, with this work in Tandridge and working with the children, she told me about Rupin. And that's why he was at that camp. Because he himself was also trying to put the puzzle together for what God was doing to see if this was a good fit for him. So I'm happy to announce that um, Rupin, along with his family, will be making Rexdale their church home uh, starting in December. And he will be working full time to spearhead this ministry in Cambridge. And part of that money from that grant will be going towards his support. You know, last night I forgot to mention about Rupin's need uh, for a car. But, you know, on my way out, a man stopped me. And he said, Sam, you know, just when you were presenting that stuff uh, about that ministry in Tandridge, I just had a sense of, for a need for a vehicle. You know, I, I don't know what I can do, but I think we need to be praying for a vehicle. But I do want to let you know that uh, Rupin needs a vehicle. And, you know, when you meet this young man, he's so winsome and he just has such a passion for kids. He speaks five languages. Uh, you know, he's um, got a background in uh, graphic arts. Uh, very qualified young man, and we're looking forward to having him. And I have to tell you that when I was writing all this down, I just had to stop and pause 
and over and over again, thank God, I felt like I had to take my shoes off because where I was sitting was holy ground. But again, it doesn't end there. You know, this past week, God was telling me, you know, Sam, I'm not finished yet. I'm still working. Uh, now, I've had to accommodate that and change my presentation. On Monday, we received the first installment uh, of the grant, and here's a check for $20,000. So, you know, we just rejoice. That's going to go towards reaching these kids uh, with the gospel and their families. Then on Tuesday, we had our first official Tandridge leadership meeting. Uh, again, Melody was there, Rupin, and Andrea, who's another CEF staff. She'll also be coming to join us uh, to help Gail and a young woman uh, from our church named Rhonda Mazarani. At that meeting, Rhonda told us why she was there. You know, uh, about a year ago, Rhonda, along with uh, a few people from her small group, just had a burden to, uh, uh, well, burden for this community. And so they talked with Don, and Don led them to Tandridge. And he said, you know, he challenged them, pray, pray for this community. Well, this past year, they've been praying for Tandridge. And it was just amazing, you know. And, and she, uh, Rhonda joined also our uh, food pantry, and she sat down, she started talking with Gail. And they started conversing, you know, what topic came up but Tandridge. And I think you know what, uh, what ensued after that, uh, you know, just, again, a convergence, a meeting together. And one of the things, one of the exciting things that we also found out was Rhonda was very passionate in working with children. And she actually led the kids' camp at Portico, a big church in Mississauga. So, again, uh, God at work. Then on Tuesday night, uh, the tenant rep who we'd been inviting to Alpha came. Her name is Renee, and um, she enjoyed being there, and we were praying that she'll come again. And then on Wednesday, Case Bile from our church, uh, who's the past president, president of uh, Duca Credit Union, called me, and he said, Sam, you might want to call Duca, the you know, current president of Duca, because they've been involved with Neighborhood Connections or NeighborLink in the past, and they might be interested in working with you again. So I called him, and you know, uh, the bank president said, we know we want to work more with the community and the different organizations that's there. And we don't want to just give out money once in a while, but we want an ongoing partnership. Well, you know, I don't have to tell you what ministry I told them about. I told them about Tanridge, and they, I said, you know, uh, this, this is a God thing. Please pray as I meet with the branch manager this coming week. Again, meeting with a bank manager, and that uh, God will go ahead of us. So you can imagine... My disappointment when really not much happened on Thursday and Friday. It was pretty quiet. I guess I have to finish my presentation. You know, Pastor Cinder last week uh, talked about deep water also being a place of delight because it's a place of adventure. But it's also a place where the fish are. And that's certainly been the case uh, for us as we see God bringing in the harvest. And this is what's happening as we've launched out into deep water. I want to tell you of a, a single-parent family uh, who we've known for years, and we've been reaching out through the uh, Ministry of Neighborhood Connections. And she used to work, uh, the, the mom used to work um, in the kitchen preparing our Alpha suppers. Which, but she'd never joined. She'd never come and sign up. Well, today she's attending Alpha herself. And in fact, she invited a friend. She's being mentored by a couple of women in our church. And when I talked to her uh, a couple of weeks ago, she said, Sam, the, the, the Bible is just coming alive. And, you know, this earthly father who I've known is being replaced by this knowledge 
of a good and faithful Heavenly Father. And then there's this young man of 13 years old who lives with his mom and grandfather just about a block from here. And because of his uh, connection with a food pantry, he's now in uh, road hockey with Scott as well as uh, in jam. You know, we pick him up every Friday. And, you know, seeing this young man going from being very quiet to just seeing him come alive. And, you know, I, didn't, I forgot to ask him. I forgot to invite him to uh, a retreat just last week. And he said, you know, I want to come to that. Uh, on his own, and he called his mom, Mom, you know, can, can, do we have money to, for me to be able to go? A woman uh, and her family attends this church because we've reached out to her through neighboring connections. Gail worked with a friend who's a financial consultant, and they were heavily in debt. And today we're happy to announce that they're out of debt, and they're now saving for their uh, son. A couple of months ago, a man from our, uh, you know, came to our church because somebody from his apartment building had told him that we could help him. He was in, in uh, great need. And it took him three hours to get here, although he just lived on Albion and Kipling. He got lost. And after just spending uh, about an hour with him, uh, he gave his life to Christ. And he's now started attending Alpha. You know, I could tell you many, many stories like these, and we just run out of time. So if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder, you know, where your giving is going to, you can be assured that these resources are being used wisely and is reaping eternal and lasting results. You know, the, those resources are being managed by a management team, a representatives from the, the elders board, the deacons board, and the executive board. And this is one more reason why the Imagine campaign is not just about money, but it's a spiritual journey. And this time, it's not just about us, but it's about this community. And as I end, as the worship team comes, I want you to reflect back on how big God is. Not only what God's doing through this ministry, but in your life. And so when doubts come, and obstacles come, and you know, they will come, I want you to be able to remember what God has done just in this one ministry. And my prayer is that you will know that same God, that very same God is at work in you. We really shouldn't be surprised that of all that God has done. In fact, we should be afraid when God isn't working in our lives in this way. If he's not at work in your life or you don't sense that he's working, it might be, it just might be that you haven't answered the call to launch out into deeper water. You've just been playing it too safe. You know, whatever that deep water might be. As someone with one script, you have to get out of the boat to be able to walk on water. I can't wait. I just can't wait to be able to tell you know, some of the people in Tandridge who, we've been, who we're going to be ministering to just the extent of God's love, not only in sending His Son, Jesus Christ, but also in moving heaven and earth to pull all these people together, the convergence of one church, to be able to express to them this love of Jesus Christ. And as you get a sense of how big God really is, I just want you to remember that he's so much bigger than that. You know, I thought we should do a blessing differently. Tandridge is over there. I'd like us all to face that direction. And we want to bless that community today together. You stretch out your hands and we will bless together. May God look down upon that community. May God look down upon your broken walls. May he look upon your broken marriages. 
May he look down upon your painful memories from the past. May he look upon the pain that has been caused by your isolation and your forgetfulness. And may he use our skills. May he use our gifts of teaching, knowledge, encouragement, mercy, hospitality, giving, prophecy, pastoring, shepherding. And may he flow through these hands to be a blessing and rain down righteousness, justice and kindness upon you as a community. And we will go forth to that cause in Jesus' name.